Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah? Happy post-turkey coma day, right? Now, all the tryptophan should be worked out of your system, so hopefully no one will fall asleep in service, okay? You can't blame it on the turkey, y'all. It should be out of your system already, unless you had a turkey sandwich this morning, and then we need to talk, because uh, you did that on purpose, okay? So, uh, it's been great. I love, I love Thanksgiving, but how many of you have already transitioned into Christmas mode? Or how many of you were already pre-Thanksgiving Christmas mode? Some of you? You know, my wife and I, we always would decorate on Veterans Day. That's right, right? Veterans Day, that's the, like the 10th or 11th of November, typically. And uh, she held off because she said she felt convicted because I kept saying Thanksgiving gets overlooked so much. So she's like, I'm not even going to think about it this year. So we waited all the way until Black Friday to put up our Christmas tree. So we felt like we did our best to not jump all the way into Christmas mode. But we're full swing into it now, and we love it. We put it up, and this is the year I think that my, my son, Corbin, finally recognizes the Christmas tree, would you say? He always comes out, and the first thing he saw, he goes, oh, Dad, what's that? And he always says, what does that say, even if there's no words? If there's no words anywhere, it doesn't matter. He's like, Dad, what does that say? I'm all, it says Christmas tree, you know, because he just, that's everything. He points to a, a, a chair. He's like, what does that say? It says chair, you know. Uh, but he's really excited about it. We haven't really put up the ornaments yet because we, we're not quite sure how destructive he'll be, but uh, we're really excited about it. But I do want to say that even though Thanksgiving is over, it doesn't mean that we should stop being thankful. Yeah? Sometimes we think, oh man, we get past it, and then Christmas comes, and then all we're thinking about is what will we will we receive. Man, I want this. I hope, I hope so-and-so gets me that. If they don't give me that, I gave them this last year. So if they don't know this, then they're not paying attention to me and they don't even love me, right? That's like, anybody have that kind of mindset of like, if you don't give me a good a gift as I give you, then our relationship is broken. No, any, <laughs> anybody? We kind of move right past that, but I really believe that, that it's not an accident that Thanksgiving is a prelude to Christmas. I really think thankfulness and gratefulness lead us to something beyond ourselves, beyond just being grateful. And this morning, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about gratefulness leading the way. So the today's message is entitled Leading the Way. I believe that uh, it's not just, the end result is not just to live a grateful life. That is a, in, that's a means to an end, in a sense. And I want to really dive into that this morning. Last, the last three weeks, we talked about how gratefulness shifts our perspective to see, that God, to see like God sees. We talked about how uh, we can find something to be grateful for no matter what season of life that we're in. We did that through the book of Lamentations. How many of you went back home and read through the book of Lamentations after I preached on it? All right. George, I believe you, man. I believe that you did that because no one else raised their hand or they weren't brave enough or you're sitting in the front and you couldn't tell no one else raised their hand behind you. But we realize through the book of Lamentations, no matter how bad it gets in life, we always have something to be grateful for. And that helps us change our perspective as well. And that gratefulness helps us walk closer with the good shepherd who is Jesus. We talked about that last week. The leading causes of gratefulness in our lives is, is two things. We talked about 
God's steadfast love and his everlasting mercy. And that when we walk with the good shepherd, two things follow us. Do you know those two things? Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy follow you all the, all the days of your life. And if you are walking through life and goodness and mercy follow you, do you know you can be grateful no matter where you're at in life? Because goodness and mercy walk with you every day of your life when you walk with it. And it's because of God's grace towards us, his unmerited, undeserved favor towards us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. What I love about, do you know, some of you don't know, but um, just because I'm leading the songs doesn't mean I pick the songs. Actually, Pastor Sam chooses all the songs, and he doesn't know the messages I'm preaching. I don't share those with him beforehand. And the fact that we sang Reckless Love before talking about this message, about er receiving something we didn't earn and we don't deserve, is the Holy Spirit speaking to us to remind us that he is pouring out his love and mercy over us. And it's not something that we can work up in ourselves. It's not no matter how righteous or holy we try to perceive ourselves to be or to show to others. It's the, the undeserved, unmerited favor of God in your life that he is pouring out over us this morning that in, in return, we become grateful. But gratefulness isn't at the end of the road. Gratefulness actually leads us somewhere and we're going to dive into that today. So the question I have for us is, where does gratefulness lead us? Where does gratefulness lead us? If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 37, or you can follow along on the screen behind us. It's talking about the woman and the alabaster jar, or the alabaster box. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, so much for who you are and the fact that you love us and you shine your grace and your mercy upon us. We thank you, God, that we get to walk closely with you and that you cause mercy and goodness to follow us. Father, we ask today that you would open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive what you have for us today, that we would be transformed by the word of God, that we would live differently because of, of what we've encountered here today. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move in us and through us, make us a people who are known by our gratitude. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Starting in verse 37, let's, let's read. It says, And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he, speaking of Jesus, was reclining at table at a Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Here is a, is a picture of gratefulness. Would you agree? We gave a, I gave a, a counter picture a couple weeks ago about when you are working, you receive your paycheck, you don't run down to your boss's office and fall on your knees in front of your boss and say, oh, thank you so much. I had no idea. I, was, I thought I was working for free, but yet you've given me a check. No, you don't do that because gratefulness doesn't come out of something that you've earned or you've 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 caused to happen in your own life. Gratefulness is something that is given to you, that is bestowed to you because you haven't earned it. And this woman, in return, is a picture of gratitude, of gratefulness, for a couple of reasons. She falls on her knees before Jesus. Actually, it says that she's behind him because she doesn't even feel worthy enough, kind of like the woman with the issue of blood. She wouldn't come around and face him because she was so humbled that she stood behind him and wept and washed his feet and wipe them with her, with her hair. And Luke says, what kind of woman is this? This is not a, a holy woman, a righteous woman. This says this is a woman of the city. 
This was a way of saying she was a, another way of saying another uh, way that we've said it in our culture is a woman of the night uh, or a prostitute. This woman lived a life that we would, we would perceive as counter-cultural to, to what church is supposed to be, to someone who's supposed to be following Jesus. Yet she runs to Jesus. She falls at his feet weeping because I believe two reasons. She recognizes the love and mercy he has towards her. And I think she recognizes the fact that he offers her life and he offers her a chance to be cleansed from the sins of her past. I think her tears represent two things. I think they represent the brokenness of her past and repentance because of the stuff that she's done and the way she's lived her life. But I also think they represent tears of joy, recognizing that there is hope, that there is change coming, and that there is life in this person, Jesus, that she's weeping over. Sometimes I think in life that we, we, we neglect to, to mourn over the things that we have done and walked through, and sometimes we forget to weep and rejoice over the things that God has brought us to. I think there needs to be both of those things in our life, because one without the other makes us half a believer. If we don't know how to mourn over the things that we've done, we, we may be destined to repeat them again when we think we have victory over them, or we, we're, we're so good we're, we're never going to fall again. And so we need to be reminded of the things so that we can stay broken before the Lord. Does that make sense? And I also think we should also be rejoicing and weeping before the Lord because we know that He is changing us into His likeness. He is causing us to go from glory to glory as we walk with Him in close relationship with Him. And I think this woman, as she falls on her face, she is representing both of those things at the same time, at the feet of Jesus. And when you are in prayer, I think you can represent with your tears and your weeping those two th things in your life, in your own prayer, your prayer time. Then Jesus, he summarizes, I'm going to summarize the next couple of verses. Because as this woman falls at Jesus' feet, the religious leader, the Pharisee, who invited Jesus into his home, begins to think to himself, Man, if Jesus was really a prophet, if this man really was a man of God, he would know the type of woman who was at his feet weeping. And he would be, he would be uh, disgusted. He would be repulsed by her, thinking that that's what, that would be the proper reaction. And Jesus, knowing his thoughts, he says this, picking up in verse 41. He says this, I want to tell you a story, and the, and the, the Pharisee, the leader, says, speak, tell me. And it says, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled both their debts. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Jesus is asking this question to demonstrate how grace drives gratefulness. What's the motivation between, behind gratitude? It's grace. Would you agree? What causes us to be thankful? It's God's grace pushing us towards gratitude. Jesus is telling the story, whoever's been forgiven more, loves more. But if you feel like you've been forgiven little, you love little. In fact, he says that. He's demonstrating how grace, recognition of God's grace, causes us to be grateful, causes us to love the Lord, causes us to live a life of thanksgiving. He explains it plainly in verse 44. He says, Then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, 
Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. And this ointment that she carried in this alabaster box that she broke open was extremely expensive. Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel both tell us that they had such high value for this perfume. It was equated to a year's wages. Could you imagine having a year's wages worth of perfume or ointment? Does anybody around here got a bottle of 40 grand perfume at home? If you do, uh, don't tell me about it because I don't know what to do with that information, right? But this is the type of box that she had, this, this alabaster flask. Some believe it was a payment from one of her suitors. And she came and she poured it over Jesus's, one gospel says she poured it over his feet and over his head. It was so valuable that it was considered a waste. The disciples saw it and they said, she's wasting it on Jesus. Could you imagine giving something to Jesus and having people say, you're wasting it? I wonder, have you ever encountered somebody who says, why do you give to the church? Why do you tithe? Why do you give above your tithe? That's a waste. That seems like a waste to me. Because they don't understand the one whom you're giving it to. She broke open this expensive ointment, this expensive jar of perfume, and she poured it over. Here's one point that I want to make this morning. Her gratefulness led to generosity. Do you have that for me? Her gratefulness led to generosity. Now, what does it mean to be generous? If you look it up in the dictionary, it means to give lavishly, unselfishly, and in abundance. A person who's generous lives open-handed. You live open-handed. I'll tell you what generosity is not. It is not simply giving what is expected. Generosity is not just giving what's expected. It's, it's giving lavishly, abundantly, unselfishly. Some people think that tithing is being generous. Can I tell you something? It's not. Tithing is not a demonstration of generosity. Tithing is a demonstration of obedience. Tithing is actually a foundation in which generosity is built upon. And so we have to be a people to get out of the mindset that I'm going to do my bare minimum in giving. And we wonder why we are, we are struggling to see God's provision open up over our lives. Because part of that is we don't know how to give and begin to be a people that give. Tithing is not a demonstration of generosity. It's a demonstration of obedience. And tithing is a starting point. Now, if you are not giving your 10%, I would, I would encourage you to make that your aim. I, it's not, to, it's not to, to shame you, to make you feel bad, or to, to, to say, oh, we just need all this money. That's not it at all. I'm telling you that there's a demonstration of obedience, that when you walk in obedience with God, there is other blessings that open up in your life. Uh, oh, not just financial. I think it's a mistake when we say that we'll give and we'll receive financially. I think that's a really poor understanding of what it means to give. But I do think that when you begin to give and open up yourself and trust God 
in giving that he will open up blessing for you so that your children will know him, so that you'll begin to have favor in your workplace, favor it with your boss. Your kids will have favor with their teachers and at school. They begin to learn things that they were having difficulty with. You'll be, you begin to see blessings you did not have just by walking in obedience to God as a part of tithing. We give, we give our tithe because we're instructed to do so, but it isn't necessarily a response to God's grace. But generosity is. Generosity is a response to God's grace in our lives. Let me tell you how. Grace drives gratitude. Gratitude leads the way to generosity. Grace drives gratitude. Gratitude leads the way to generosity. Generosity is the direct result of a life lived in gratefulness. In fact, when you are living truly generous, it's actually going to be seen as radically different than what people are used to. It's beyond... I think generosity is so big that we've limited it because we're uncomfortable with it. But generosity should make people uncomfortable. It's beyond just paying for the person's Starbucks drinks behind you in the drive-thru. It's beyond putting another chunk of change in the salvation bucket as you walk by. Generosity is radical. Generosity is otherworldly because it's a re in response. True generosity is a response to God's grace, living with gratitude. Anything less than that is not generosity. It's a small glimpse. It's our recognition of what God has done for us, realizing that life and blessing and hope and love come from Him so we can't outgive Him. When we really truly grasp what it means to be generous, we will live open-handed because we know that we cannot outgive God. Whatever we give away, God will give to us in an increase and in an abundance in one way or another. We wanted to see God move in our lives and transform our lives and move in our families' lives and transform our work, then we need to be a people who live generously, lavishly, in abundance, giving. In fact, point three, the more you give away, the more you recognize His provision. The more you give away, the more you recognize His provision. How? Because when we hoard the things we have, we don't need to trust God for anything else. Do you know in America it is so difficult for us to trust God because we trust in so many other things? I don't need healing. I have health care. Right? I don't need to pray for food. I have a pantry full. I don't need to, to ask God for clothes on my back because I have a closet full of it. We can't see God's provision in our life because we believe the things that we have uh, uh, consumed for ourselves is what we've provided for ourselves. And so then we don't, we don't know when God is actually trying to show himself as our great provider until we have lack. And those of us who have walked through seasons of lack, you know what I'm talking about. You know that you know that God is walking with you when you don't have the things that you really need and you see him show up in miraculous ways. So I would challenge us to be a people who say, I want to see God move in my life so much that I'm willing to give things away so that he can show himself to be my provider. Because God will bless those who bless others. And in fact, he's already blessed you and waiting, you to, waiting for you to bless others so that he can continue to bless you. 
But when we miss the opportunity to live open-handed, we rob God of being our provision. And he wants to provide for us. He wants to provide for us. In fact, true generosity upsets people, especially religious people. Do you know in, the, in Matthew's gospel, it says that after the woman broke the flask and poured it over Jesus' feet, the disciples, they got upset and they said, this money could have, this thing could have been sold and given to the poor. And right after that happened, in Matthew's gospel, it said Judas got up that moment and went to the Pharisees and said, how can we kill this man? How can we get rid of this person? He's a hypocrite. He's crazy. He, he's allowing people to do crazy things. Isn't it interesting how money can so easily turn us away from Jesus? How so easily it persuaded Judas in that moment to get up from the table with Jesus and go betray Jesus, uh, betray Jesus because of the, the flask of ointment being poured out over his feet and over his head. But Jesus points to this woman and drives home how gratefulness leads to generosity. And I said it before. He says in verse 47, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Now this isn't a line in Scripture that, caused, that, that would cause you to say, well, if that's true, then I need to go out and just sin it up because I need to recognize how much I've been forgiven. Don't make that mistake. I'm talking to some teenagers in here, first of all. But some of y'all, too. Like, It doesn't mean it gives you permission because then you want to... Paul talks about that, too, where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. But it doesn't mean go out and sin more so that you can experience God's grace more. What Jesus is saying here is you don't, if you don't recognize what God has done for you, if you think, I've been pretty good. I've done good most of my life. I, and then I found Jesus, and you know, it's, it's good. Life is good, but you know, I wasn't really that bad before I met Jesus. Jesus is saying, if that's your perspective, you'll love me very little because you don't think I've done much of anything for you. You don't recognize that the fact that you were damned to hell, that you were far from me, that you were lost in your sin and pride and destructiveness so that you thought you had it all together on your own. And so you won't, you won't worship me the way I've called you to. You won't, you won't give me the glory that I deserve because you are on, the, on your own throne in your heart. You love little because you think you've been forgiven little. But if you'll be a people who says, God, I was lost and undone without you. Maybe I didn't go do all of these horrible things, but in my heart, I'm a horrible person. I've done horrible things. I've thought horrible thoughts. But God, you love me anyway, and you cleanse me, and you make me a new creation in you. Because of that, I am grateful. I'm not bound by these chains anymore. I'm no longer bound by the sin that I was in. Amen? Some of you who've walked horrible roads, tough roads, you worship with extravagance, don't you? Because you know where God's brought you from. But all of us should worship like those who have been bound by things that people can see physically. Because we've been bound in our heart with things that people could not see physically. And yet we've still been set free. And we should be a people who love much. In fact, he's saying, 
if you think you haven't been forgiven much, you won't love much, you won't be grateful. If you think that God hasn't really done much for you, and it's just a fact of like you say a little prayer and you do a little thing, then you actually aren't going to live a grateful life because you don't know God's grace. Grace drives gratitude. Gratitude leads the way to gratefulness and generosity. He says, if you aren't grateful, you won't be generous. But if you recognize how much you've been forgiven, when you see how much grace has been poured out over you, you'll respond with a heart of gratefulness, and that gratitude will live you to live a generous life. Our question this morning was, where does gratitude lead us? It leads us to a life of giving to others. Open-handedly, unselfishly, lavishly. And we don't give to people because they deserve it. We don't give to people because they've earned it. We give to people while they're still broken, while they still haven't figured it all out yet. Because that's how we receive from God. Sometimes we want to justify the gifts that we give to people based on what they've earned or what they've deserved or how good they're doing. But thank God that we didn't have to earn it or, or deserve God's grace when he freely gave it to us. He gave generously. It's when we recognize where our blessings come from. We see the grace of God in our lives. We are filled with thanksgiving and we give freely. It isn't a mistake that the season of Thanksgiving leads into the season of Christ's birth because Thanksgiving is a precursor to generosity. Thanksgiving leads the way to generosity and we are thankful for the free gifts of Jesus, our, our salvation given to us and we respond in kind to God's generosity towards us. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is God's generosity towards us. He gave us his one and only son. The most precious gift that he could give, he gave. And we give gifts to others in kind because it's a demonstration of what God has given to us. And all of that comes through a heart of gratitude, developing a heart of generosity. So my challenge for us today is to respond to God's grace, to live grateful to God and to allow gratitude to lead us to a life of generosity. And you might be saying today, well, pastor, I don't have a lot of money to give to people. I don't, I don't have finances. How can I be generous when I don't have money? I'm telling you, this goes beyond money. It's not just about being generous with money. It's about being generous with your time. Being generous to serve others. If you may not have things to give them, you have yourself to give to them. Being generous with forgiveness. Those who have hurt you, those who have backstabbed you, those who have turned their backs on you to offer generously forgiveness even though they may not deserve it, even though they may not have earned it. To be a people who are generous with giving of ourselves, giving of our love, giving of our grace towards others. And yes, giving of our money, giving above and beyond to help others in need. We need to be people that are generous. In fact, this is what Jesus is calling us to, to be a people who are a people of generosity, known for gratitude and being generous. 
Whatever your life may look like, live generously. Don't, lo- don't live with closed fists. Let generosity be a defining factor of your life. And what also generosity will do, living a life of generosity, it will break the spirit of poverty over you. If any of you are wrestling with a poverty mindset or even an entitled mindset, entitlement and poverty, they go hand in hand sometimes. And living a life of generosity will break a spirit of poverty. And some of us, we need to have that broken over us. A spirit of lack, I don't have enough. You have more than enough because you have Jesus. And Jesus is the God who provides all of your needs. That's what Paul says. All of our needs are are provided for in the riches of Christ Jesus our Lord. And living grateful breaks those spirits, and then living generously breaks off the spirit of lack and poverty. Gratitude is the first step because you begin to see the blessings that you do have. And when you begin to see the blessings, you begin to see where you can give to others. I want to end with the same point I mentioned before. Grace drives gratitude. Gratitude leads the way to generosity. 